I'm Sonia Corbett, and in today's show, the third in our series on freedom from anxiety, we're going to look at whether or not anxiety and worry is a sin. That actually came from discussion on our Facebook page. And we're going to look at the predictable biological mechanisms behind anxiety and fear and start assembling a toolbox for battling the real battle, which is in our thoughts and our emotions and our bodies and our souls. So I hope you'll join me. Stay tuned. If you like having Bible study in your pocket and you have an iPhone or iPad, why not leave a review? Search Bible Study Evangelista in iTunes and tell everyone how you're loving and lifting all you've been given. Here's Sonia. Let's get social. Connect with me at Bible Study Evangelista on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and now you can also find me on the number one Catholic app for iPhone and Android, Laudate. Let's connect. And now, let's get some Bible study in your pocket. Welcome to the Bible Study Evangelista show. I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible Study Evangelista. We are in our Freedom from Anxiety series in our third show, and today we're going to begin looking at our thoughts. And I believe this is probably going to need two shows to look at the biological mechanisms behind anxiety and fear, and then the primary human need underlying addiction, anxiety, depression, toxic relationships, and all these cycles of drama that we end up in. We're going to look at why we can't control destructive coping mechanisms and instead how to outgrow them. And then we're going to look at step-by-step strategies for transforming cycles of negative thoughts and debilitating emotions. So I imagine this is probably going to need a couple of shows. So just bear with me on that. So we have we have done quite a bit of work so far. We looked at the fact that anxiety and fear does not come from God. Instead, it's an attack of the enemy. Anxiety is harassment. It's harassment from the enemy. And so in order to close those doors that that are open through unforgiveness and soul ties and our predominant fault and sin, we looked at that being the real battle. The real battle is in us. It's not, the battle is not against the people and the circumstances through whom and through which the attacks come. Instead, the battle is actually in ourselves. That's the only thing that we have control over. We have control over our will. We have control over our thoughts and our emotions, or we should, and many of us don't. And that's actually why I'm doing this show, because I want to give you the scriptural tools that Jesus left us to battle the true battle. And so that's what we've been looking at all this time. That first show, we looked at unforgiveness and how we need to forgive until it's complete. So we were looking at closing those doors of unforgiveness. We can't be forgiven if we if we haven't asked. And so we looked at the need to go to confession, but also that we need to forgive until it's complete. We need to forgive mom and dad. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to forgive God. And we need to look at those soul ties. And if you miss those shows, then you need to go back and, and probably listen to those first two shows to help you lay a foundation for where we're going next. Now, I am somewhat dismayed at some of the discussion that was on the Facebook page this week, simply because it, it, it looks as though some people have not actually even listened to the show. And you can't, you can't understand the stuff that I'm posting on social media if you're not, if you're not getting the foundation for why I'm saying it. And that leads into the first part of what I want to address in this show, which is, is anxiety and fear 
a sin. And so there, there was, some people were bothered by that idea that worry is a sin. And I'm here to tell you, it is my job. It is my job to tell you that yes, worry is a sin. Anxiety is a sin. And I, as I say that, I'm not blaming us for having issues with anxiety. That's why I'm doing the show. We all battle it at some point in our lives. Some of us extended periods of time. And that is, it is debilitating. It is paralyzing. And God wants to help us heal from what is causing that so that we can live in peace. We are not called to live in anxiety. And that's why it's formed and framed as sin in the Bible because it's a trap. And we don't like to admit that it's sin because that means that there's a responsibility that we bear. But I have to tell you that it is our responsibility. That's the true battle. The true battle is in us. It is an attack from the enemy. It is harassment from the enemy. And we have the power and the authority in Christ to live in peace and to stop allowing these attacks and this harassment to completely overtake our lives and paralyze us as Christians. We are called to come out of this anxiety, and that's why I'm doing the shows. I'm not blaming anyone, but I have to say that the Bible is clear from the Old Testament to the New that fear is a lack of love. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that Temporary bouts of fear are sin because fear indicates that there is, um, there could be danger. And that is an emotion that God has given us to help protect us. So that in itself is not bad. It's not sinful to just be fearful sometimes. But it is sinful to live in a pervasive state of anxiety and fear that overtakes our lives. It just is. Fear is not from God ever. And by fear, as I said, I don't mean the necessary rational reaction to actual danger or the simple emotion. And I don't mean the fear of the Lord that's spoken of in the Bible as a gift from the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about an abiding, paralyzing, oppressive fright and anxiety about a perceived future and its imagined threats. This is the working definition of the word that I've been using and will use throughout the series. Our imaginations without wisdom is a vicious tyrant. Scripture tells us that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. So that indicates that fear comes from the enemy. It's a matter of spiritual warfare. We're not contending against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, Ephesians 6, 12 says. So fear comes from the enemy, my enemy, your enemy, God's enemy. And in affirming the spiritual basis of fear, I'm not blaming myself for struggling with it. I'm just acknowledging that I am somehow being manipulated. St. Anthony said, fear not. Tis but an artifice of the evil one to distract you. So what are you being distracted from? What are you really afraid of? And if we cannot or will not acknowledge the reality of a spiritual battle and a spiritual enemy, we're going to be continually manipulated and paralyzed and overcome by terrors. We're going to be spiritually sick. We're going to be physically sick. We're going to be ineffective as Christians and impotent, and our lives are going to be consumed in futility 
and fear, Psalm 78, 33 says. And that is what anxiety does. It traps us in complete hopelessness and futility. Now, I'm doing this series to give you tools so that you can overcome this debilitation. And today we're going to look at, um, we're going to look at tools to battle our thoughts because anxiety begins in our thoughts. And so I've been doing lots and lots of posting on social media about our thoughts and emotions being the caboose and our will being the engine of the train. We've been talking about that quite a bit, but today I'm going to really get into the nitty gritty of thoughts and how to, how to battle our thoughts properly so that, so that our thoughts are in the caboose rather than driving the engine of the train. Science has a better understanding than ever before of how our thoughts affect our emotions and our bodies. We can see clearly how brain science lines up with the Bible, that your mind can be renewed, that toxic thoughts and emotions can be swept away, and your brain really can be at peace. Toxic thoughts are like poison. But the good news is you can break the cycle of toxic thinking. You can reverse the effects of toxic thoughts on your body and your brain. And once that toxic thinking has been broken, your thoughts can actually start to improve every area of your life, your relationships, your health, and even the success that you have in your life. A thought may seem harmless, but if it becomes toxic, even just a thought can become physically, emotionally, and spiritually dangerous. And that's partly because thoughts are measurable in the brain and they occupy mental real estate. They're active. They grow and they change and they influence all of our decisions and our words and our actions and our physical reactions. It, they influence our physiology. So every time you have a thought, it's actively changing your brain or your body for better or for worse. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty of my book, Just Rest. And so I want to begin looking at how toxic thinking translates into stress in your body. And this type of stress is more than just a fleeting emotion. Stress is this kind of global term for the extreme strain on our body's systems as a result of toxic thinking. It's harmful to the body. It's harmful to the mind. It's harmful to the spirit. And in a multitude of ways, we talk about mental health issues, immune system problems, heart problems, digestive problems. No system of the body is spared when stress is running rampant. It's a huge body of scientific research that collectively shows that up to 80% of physical, emotional, and mental health issues today can be a direct result of our thought life. But there is hope in Christ. You can break the cycle of toxic thinking and start to build healthy patterns that bring peace to your life. And that's why we're doing the show. Now we know there's lots and lots of research on brain chemistry and of course, in the old days, doctors, if they couldn't find a cause for an illness, a lot of times they would just say it's all in your head. And that comes with this sort of stigma. And previously, it was believed that the brain was hardwired from birth with this sort of fixed destiny to wear out with age. And now we know that that's not the case. You're not a victim of biology. God has given us a design of hope. We can renew our minds and we can change and we can heal. More on that in a moment. 
You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. Sonia created the Love the Word Bible Study Method just for you. Based on Mary's personal practice and formulated for your personality and temperament. Get your Love the Word meditations every Monday morning by signing up at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. Every single thought, whether it's positive or negative, goes through the same cycle when it forms. Thoughts are basically electrical impulses, chemicals, and neurons. They look like a tree with branches. And as thoughts grow and become permanent, more branches grow and the connections become stronger. And as you change your thinking, some of the branches go away and new ones form. The strength of the connections change and the memories network with other thoughts. That is a beautiful knowledge that our brain can rewire and grow. This is called renewing the mind. That's what the Bible calls it, the renewal of your mind. As you think, your thoughts are activated, which in turn activates your attitude because your attitude is all of your thoughts put together and it reflects reflects your state of mind. Thoughts release chemicals and negative attitudes distort the chemicals in a way that disrupts their natural flow. The chemicals are like signals that translate all this information of your thought into a physical reality in your body and your brain, creating an emotion. So that combination of thought, emotion, and attitude impacts your body in either a positive or a negative way. So your mind and your body are really inherently linked And this link begins with your thoughts. Thoughts are scientifically measurable and we can verify how they affect our bodies. We can actually feel our thoughts through our emotions and emotions are involved in every thought we build, ever have built and ever will built. In fact, for every memory that you make, you have a corresponding emotion attached to it, which is stored in the brain. And it's like a photocopy in your brain's cells. So in addressing anxiety, we need to look at the thoughts and the emotions and how they affect our bodies and how they affect our spirits. That's why just rest is divided into those four parts. Now, you know, this is true and I can prove it right now. So take just a moment to focus on something upsetting an upsetting recent event in your life and think deeply about it and then become aware of how you feel and how your body reacts to the thoughts and the emotions. You can feel this almost cascade of chemicals that's being activated by your rethinking and reimagining of the event. And so the more you think about it, the more you ponder on it, the stronger and more vivid this cascade of chemicals becomes. You can even start to become angry or frustrated or upset in just remembering. You'll start to react to the thought mentally and physically like it was happening all over again. And that's why we have to take our thoughts captive, as the Bible says, because that's where it sort of expands and grows and it takes on a life of its own. The direction of your thought life can be either positive or negative, but you get to choose. What you choose to think about can give you joy and peace and happiness or the complete opposite. And in fact, your thoughts create 
changes in your body right down to the genetic levels. They restructure cells makeup. And so science has shown us how this restructuring causes disease to take hold of the body. But on the other side, when we choose non-toxic thinking, we have this whole new realm of brain and body function. Feel-good chemicals are released that make us feel peaceful and promote our healing. They help our memory formation and deep thinking, and this increases intelligence when all of it's combined together. So it's very, very important to guard our thought life. Philippians 4.8 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The Bible tells us over and over to meditate on what is good and pure and lovely. It tells us that because negative emotions and negative thoughts are natural combination. They, they kind of go together. So when you, when you get rid of this negative thinking, the negative emotion will go away too. Now, I know all this sounds very simple, and it's, it's not. In the beginning, it's very difficult because we're not trained to do this, right? But the more you practice, the easier it gets. And you, you start to feel this deep, abiding, transcending peace that we talked about in the first show. We start to feel it. And once we feel it and we're living in it, even for short periods of time, we don't want to go back to this negativity and this lack of peace. We want to guard our peace. And so that's why the Bible is so full of all of this, this teaching on how to have peace and how to have rest. And this is also why when you pray and pray and pray for peace, God doesn't just poof away your anxiety. He doesn't because grace builds on nature, Thomas Aquinas said. And so God very rarely will do some sort of miracle to make your anxiety go away. Instead, he works with the biology and the chemistry of our bodies. He wants us to co-create with him. And that's why he's directing us always away from fear toward peace away from negativity, toward positivity. He's constantly telling us not to worry and not to be afraid because he knows that the root of anxiety is much deeper than superficial stuff. It begins in our thoughts and our emotions, which are very deep. He's not interested in poofing away our anxiety temporarily. He's interested in giving us permanent peace. And that, my friend, takes some time. It takes some time to change the habits, the bad and the negative habits that we've gotten into. It takes time and it takes practice, but it is a promise. Peace is a promise. And so he spends a lot of time in the scriptures. And of course, it's disjointed. It's not a, a concise teaching. You have to sort of pull it from all kinds of places. But Jesus is very plain that worry and anxiety in a long-term way is sin. Why? Because it's fear. And fear is a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust. It's a lack of love. First John uh, chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 say. So Jesus is not interested in just making the negativity and the fear go away temporarily on the surface. He's interested in giving us lasting and permanent peace. And that means it's going to take some time. It takes practice. That's why I'm doing the show. Neurologically, your heart is sensitive to what you think and feel. Your thoughts directly affect your heart muscle. Your immune system is affected. 
Your digestive system is affected. All of us know that we get that awful churning feeling in our stomach when when we're afraid and when we're anxious. That long term causes terrible, terrible stress on the body. So our bodies are affected. And so we, we have to start where it starts, which is in our thoughts. Healing your thoughts is a little bit like picking a book from your bookshelf in the library of memories. And you take out that book and you rewrite a page in that book and then you put it back on the shelf and it's free and healed of toxic thoughts and emotions. The memory is still there, but it's not painful. It's not fearful. It's not anxiety producing once it's healed. And that is part of a process of building a new and healthy thought over an old toxic one. It takes it completely out. It removes the negative sting and the the pain of it at the same time. And so we can change those pathways really quickly, actually, just in a matter of days. You can change the negative pathways within a couple of days, but create new ones, whole new ones in that that library book within about 21 days. And in fact, as soon as you're conscious of the memory, it can start changing physically in your brain and in your body. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath and resentment and quarreling and slander be banished from you with all malice. So all of those emotions, right, are attached to memories. And those are the ones that make us seek revenge in our thoughts. And we go over it and over it. We have this conversation with someone and it makes us angry. And we start thinking about it. And I wish I'd have said this. And I wish I'd have done that. And all of that produces negative chemicals in our bodies, As the electrical information from your five senses pours into the brain, it gathers all of them through the nerves, those lines of communication between your brain and your body. And so your senses are the doorway into your intellect, into your will, and they influence your will and your emotions. And so those negative emotions and thoughts, they thrive in the dark. So it's important to know the process so that the light of the truth of it can help you change the negativity in your thinking and your emotions and your body. All of that incoming information travels through the brain structure. It passes through the thalamus that monitors and processes the information and it forms thoughts. And this activates our attitude, the state of mind that influences all of our choices and everything we say and do as a result of those choices. Now, Obviously, most of this occurs subconsciously, right? And that's why we get into these patterns of negativity without realizing that we can control it. But if the thoughts are activated in the the cerebral cortex, if they're negative, then the emotional response is going to be negative, and then we're going to feel stressed in the in the in our minds. But if it's positive, the feeling is going to be peaceful. So the truth is that our attitude is revealed no matter how much you try to hide it. It's going to it's going to reveal itself. And then this positive or negative thinking starts to be transmitted from the thalamus down to the hypothalamus. And that's where the signal occurs to the hypothalamus to chemically prepare a response to our thoughts.
You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spirits That Taste Like Cake. Did you know you can get Bible Study Evangelista radio notes and podcasts delivered to your inbox every Monday morning? Redeem your Mondays. Join thousands of your fellow listeners by subscribing at BibleStudyEvangelista.com. Now, here's Sonia. So we receive information through the thalamus, the sensory information through our five senses. It's all collected in the thalamus. The attitude is activated. And then all of that moves to the hypothalamus, which produces chemicals. So if you're anxious or worried about something, the hypothalamus adds these chemicals to the pituitary gland. And the negative thoughts shift your body's focus to protection and they reduce your ability to process and to think with wisdom or to grow healthy thoughts. But on the other hand, if you have a good attitude, if you have good thoughts and you determine to apply God's advice not to worry, then the hypothalamus starts to secrete chemicals that make you feel peaceful and the rest of the brain responds by secreting the, the formula of thought building and clear thinking. So although you can't necessarily control your environment or your circumstances all the time, you can control how it affects your brain. And this is why it's so important to go ask God for his perspective on your situation. Because when you get God's perspective, suddenly the negativity disappears. We're all in our heads and we're all in our emotions. But if we ask God for his wisdom, he will show us a better way to look at something. He gives us his wisdom. The word wisdom in the Bible just means God's perspective. And when he gives us that perspective, all of that negativity just disappears because suddenly we see, ah, there's a purpose here. Now, at this point, all of the incoming information is still temporary. It hasn't lodged itself in your memory or become part of your spirit. At this point, we can choose to reject negative thoughts and get God's perspective, and then rest in the peace that comes with that. At this point, the amygdala is involved, and it starts to um, add the negativity or the positivity to the incoming information. It's like a library. It stores emotional perceptions that occur every time a thought is built. So every time we build a memory, we're activating emotions. And so the chemical, the endocrine system and the brain, they have to release the correct chemicals necessary for building healthy or unhealthy memories. So that amygdala is constantly in communication with the hypothalamus and we can feel our body's reaction to what we're thinking. And these physical reactions, you get that rapid heartbeat and adrenaline rush. They force us to decide whether to accept or reject information based on how we feel physically. The amygdala is designed to protect us from threats in our bodies and our minds, danger and stress and that kind of thing. And so the amygdala is where that decision is made. And it has these lines of communication to the frontal lobe, which is where our reasoning occurs, decision making, analyzing, strategizing, all of that is all of that takes place in the the frontal lobe of the brain. And the amygdala is attached there. So here's where we can choose. 
I choose not to think about this issue anymore, or I choose to take this issue to, to God and, and seek his perspective. And once you have his perspective, you have the peace that goes with that. And then the choice not to think negatively will send the negative thoughts away. They simply fade away. But if we don't stop thinking about it for either negative or positive, all of that information flows into the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is sort of like a, it's like a clearinghouse for our thoughts. And it classifies the information as whether or not it's going to be short-term or long-term. And then it files it, we could say. It converts temporary thoughts into permanent thoughts that become who you are. And a lot of this kind of happens at night while you're sleeping. That's why we dream. But the hippocampus works with the brain to integrate all of those activated memories and it converts the information to your permanent memory storage. And so that's where we really need to do some serious reflection. Do I want this information to be permanent in me or not? And so we have to remember that these negative memories create stress and the hippocampus is vulnerable to stress. It has all of these stress hormone receptors that are used to reinforce memory And so for brain cells, all of this excessive stress is like setting off a firecracker in a jar. It causes the hippocampus to lose cells and to shrink. And of course, that then affects the communication between the rest of your brain. Now, once all of that electrical information created by thoughts and and memories and all that is in the hippocampus, it stays there for about 24 to 48 hours. And it's constantly amplified when it swirls to the front of the brain. And then the information has to change. Brain science shows that the change has to occur. And the change is either reinforcement of the thought or changing some of it or all of it. If we don't get rid of the negative thought, then we reinforce it. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's actually, it's sort of miraculous, really, because what science shows us is that we can interfere with the biology and the process that's going on in our free will. So if you say you can't or you won't, this is your free will in action, and it actually causes changes in your brain. That's why 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, bring every thought into captivity. This is really important because it causes the renewal of our minds spoken of in Romans 12 two. No thought is harmless and it doesn't ever stay the same. It's constantly changing. It's either reinforced or it's sent away. And we can do this. We can actually change the physical structure of the brain. This is, this is called neuroplasticity. And what's such good news about that is if you have been in maybe even a lifetime of negative thinking, you can change your brain. You can go back to those memories and sit with God in that and ask for his healing, ask for his perspective. And suddenly the chemical, the chemical changes occur and you're, those are healed. That's exactly what I'm, what I'm trying to put forth here is that even if the memories and the emotions and the thoughts attached to those are very old and very ingrained, the brain is, is elastic. It changes. It can heal. You can change all of that by seeking God's perspective on your situation and receiving his rest in those. 
Now, we'll talk about that probably in the next show or two, but we know from brain research that mental practice, imagination, visualization, meditation, deep thought and reflection, all of that produces the same physical changes in your brain as it would physically carrying out the same imagined process. So that's why they use it in sports, visualization and that kind of thing. I'll teach you a um, a visualization technique when we get to emotions. But at this point, it's important to also um, apply what the Bible says then, because it says that nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. I can't wait to get to that part, but it's it's in my book, Just Rest, that our thoughts create. Our thoughts create emotions, but they also create circumstances. And I can't wait to show you how that's scientifically true, but it actually is. But right now, I, I want to get back to this brain science because it's important to understand that this is literally possible. That's why Jesus did not have this sympathy for worry and anxiety because he knows that it is a matter of the will. It's a matter of our, our brain activity and our, our free will. We can choose what we think and how we feel. Same parts of the brain activated by action are the parts that are activated by simply thinking about an action. And so when it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, that's not just a a neat little saying. What it's saying there is that what we think about and what we emote about is creative, When the Bible says that we are co-creators with God, it's not lying. We co-create with God by what we think and what we allow ourselves to emote over. So having control of our thoughts and our emotions is very, very important. And it's also possible. That's why Jesus said, do not worry, be anxious for nothing, do not fear. He was constantly saying that the Bible is full of it. And that's why, because he knows that negative thinking, fearful thinking and anxious thinking, worried thinking, all of that creates more of what you're afraid of or on that later. But right now, when we rehearse things mentally, this is how we can sort of reflect on daily actions and even memories. We can change the memories, the feelings and the thoughts associated with them. And they use this. Um, A lot of times uh, doctors or surgeons, before they perform an operation, they mentally rehearse every single step in their minds, just like athletes sometimes do that before a game or when someone is about to take an exam or a test or something, they rehearse it mentally because as you rehearse it, it becomes a newly built memory and it becomes stronger and stronger and it grows connections to neighboring nerve cells and that then creates other thought patterns. So healthy thoughts and toxic thoughts are both built with mental rehearsal. Do you see the connection there? What we think about consistently and what we emote about consistently makes it more permanent in our brains and in our bodies. All of that is also creative, which we'll talk about later. But we can tear down these negative strongholds by choosing to bring the thoughts into our conscious awareness and bringing it to God for his perspective and his wisdom, and then repenting of something if we need to do that, and asking for forgiveness, that all creates chemical reactions, and then replacing it with the proper perspective, God's wisdom. When we do that, we're loosening the permanence 
of negative thoughts and emotions. And not only does it loosen the permanence and it changes it, but it also creates something else. You're listening to the Bible Study Evangelista Show. Bible Study Spares That Taste Like Cake. If you love having Bible study in your pocket, you can become a friend of the show. Click on the yellow friend of the show button on BibleStudyEvangelista.com and become a supporter of any amount and any frequency. Now, here's Sonia. When we're talking about thinking and free will and understanding, we have to also consider that the heart contributes to our thinking and our decision making. I I don't know if you knew that, but it's fascinating. Your heart is not just a physical pump. It helps with our choices. It sort of checks our emotions and it's in constant communication with our brain and the rest of our body. It's checking the accuracy and the integrity of our thought lives. And you know this is true because if you're about to make a decision, your heart sort of, it sort of injects this little quiet word of advice, right? And when you're listening to your heart, it secretes hormones that help you have a feeling of peace. And so when you're thinking deeply to understand, when you're trying to understand God's perspective, you're going beyond just storing facts and answers to making good memories and healthy thoughts and constructive, creative patterns. And these can become consolidated and stabilized so that you have immediate access to them. They become a habit. And once you have that, you've achieved a certain level of expertise in your thoughts and your emotions. And that is where permanent peace comes. This happens in a negative direction or a positive direction, no matter what you believe or think or do. This is happening all the time. So why not work with how your body is made? It's naturally designed to help us with deep, intellectual, healthy thought and emotion. We can reflect, but all of this chemical reaction and all of this brain activity is meant to consolidate and stabilize and become a healthy part of you. And repetition and rehearsal, all of that helps. And all of that is meant to happen through the pop quizzes that the Holy Spirit sends in our circumstances and our relationships to alert us to negative thoughts and memories and emotions. We see suffering as something we're just supposed to bear and offer up, but instead it is an invitation from the Holy Spirit to go deeper into your thought life and your emotional life and the the recreation of those memories and thoughts from the past that continue to subconsciously drive your anxiety and your, your toxic behaviors now. That is why God does not just poof away our anxiety typically. Now, he can, and I'm not, not saying you shouldn't ask him to. I could ask him for all of that stuff. But typically, he doesn't do that because he wants to work with the natural processes in our brains and our 
and our emotions and our bodies, all of that works together and he, he adds grace to it. He adds grace to all of that nature. And in doing so, he teaches us how to live in rest and live in peace on a permanent basis. Now, there's lots of stuff that we can do to go back and revisit old stuff, but we need to really follow the Holy Spirit's lead here because he knows where the roots of our anxiety are. And so he offers and allows these pop quizzes to help direct our thoughts and our emotions and our attention and our awareness and our consciousness to what is underneath all of the negativity and the suffering and the pain that we experience. And a lot of times that stuff is connected to old memories. And so then we have an opportunity with him to go back to the original memory uh, with all of its thought and all of its emotion. All of that is usually toxic and negative. We can go back to that memory and he can heal it. He can give it his give us his perspective. He can give us peace and rest. And at that point, you never Think about it again with anxiety or fear or pain. It is a miraculous process and it is your gift from God as a child of his. This is a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle what the Holy Spirit can do with these historic emotions and the memories that are attached to those. And this is what he wants for you. He wants you to be begin becoming aware of how he is inviting you through your circumstances and your relationships that trigger your anxiety. He wants you to get with him and ask him, is this connected to a memory? Am I having an eruption of emotion? And if I am, where is the memory connected with this? And what is it? And, And sit with him and allow him to heal it. Now, there's lots of ways we can do that. We can journal, we can revisit all of those ways we're going to look at in the the next shows. But I, I just wanted to give you the basis, the biological basis of anxiety so that you can begin to understand this is predictable. This is predictable and it's changeable. And that's why it's called sin in the Bible, not because we're to blame for it. I know it feels out of control. I know it feels like we don't know how to control it, but we can. And that's why I'm giving you the information to give you the power and the authority over your thought life and your emotional life and your body by extension. It's a miracle what can be done. Now that we have the biological mechanisms behind our thoughts and emotions and how it contributes to stress and how it contributes to physical illness and how it contributes to a cycle of negativity in our thoughts and emotions, I want to also look at the way that negative thinking and negative emoting also creates more negativity. It creates more negativity in our thoughts and emotions, but it also creates more negative circumstances. Now, this is a matter for quantum physics, and I'm going to try not to be too technical, although probably in the first part of the show, you felt like all of that biology was pretty technical, but I want to give you the science behind it. What we know from quantum mechanics is that everything at its basis, the smallest basis of every bit of matter is light. And light can be measured in two ways. It exists in two ways simultaneously. Light is both a particle 
and a wave. And the way it manifests, if it manifests as a particle or a wave, that manifestation is determined by the person observing it. Now, I'm just going to let that sit for just a second because it should be mind-blowing. Light exists in both states as a particle and a wave until the scientist who is observing it does the observing. And only then do those two possibilities collapse into one or the other. That is unbelievable. (laughs) But every single thing that is matter, every bit of creation at its smallest part is light and it is energy. It is this whizzing. It's whizzing with all of this activity. It's alive, we could say, even with all of this activity. And it's all, it all exists in possibility or probability is the scientific term. It all exists in probability until it is observed. And so that translates into what the Bible teaches us about how our thoughts and emotions are a type of faith. What we think about and what we emote about is a type of faith. It's not theological faith, which comes from God himself. It's a lower kind of faith. And, and we know that's true because we can think negatively and emote negatively and create negativity. That's exactly what I'm saying. The more you think negatively about your memories, the more you emote negatively about your memories, the more circumstances come to you that are negative. That's in part to help us stop the cycle, to bring our attention and our awareness to the negativity and ask, what the hey is going on here? Why am I repeating this again? That's part of the invitation of negative circumstances. But it's also interesting, and this is in Just Rest, um, my new book, but I talk about uh, Hebrews chapters three and four, and this is the basis, um, part of the basis for my assertion that fear is sin, Fear is unbelief. It says so plainly right there in in Hebrews chapters three and four. Fear is unbelief and it's evil unbelief even, the Bible says. And that's because it takes us away from trust in God. Now, in the, the wilderness wanderings, the people came out of Egypt and the very first thing they encountered was a lack of water. And God led them to a place called Meribah. And it means bitter. They came to this water. It was named bitter because of the people's reaction. Now, remember, they had left Egypt and they were full of negativity and fear. And so the very first thing God does is give them a circumstance in which their fear is triggered. And it's an invitation to trust him to provide water. And he does. He provides water in these 12 wells. But the Bible says that the people said it was bitter. I am out of time and I cannot develop this this week, but I will next week. I promise. And we're going to look at thoughts and rest in our thoughts. But before I go, I want to shout out my newest friends of the show. This is a couple of weeks uh, worth. So Geraldine S, Gina G, Christine B, Denise S, Jamie S, Sally R, Davida B, Christine Mick, Charlotte S, Timothy H, Jeannie L, Kathy N, Michelle T, Mary McDuh, 
Aisling H. and Jessica K. Thank you so much for your support and for being a friend of the show. And all friends of the show get the uh, premium content from previous series. So I just appreciate your support so much. I thank you. Next week, we're looking more deeply at how our thoughts and our emotions create our reality. You're not going to believe it. I'll see you next week. I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible Study Evangelista. Thank you for listening to the Bible Study Evangelista show. Find out more at BibleStudyEvangelista.com.